Hey everyone, I'm David Warrench and this is the Authentic Dad Podcast where I inspire fathers to live life on their own terms and help them flourish in their relationships with themselves, their partners, and their children. So excited today. I was reading the book Conflict Equals Energy, The Transformative Practice of Authentic Relating, and I was really loving the book. And on a whim, I contacted the author, Jason Diggs. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. Two days later, we recorded this. It was such a treat. It's a great book. We were going to put um, a link in the show notes. He'll give you a free chapter. I hope you take advantage of it. There are basically 30 practices in this book on how to transform your conflicts, how to live a more connected, authentic life in the area of relationships. And the book is basically a manual for a practice called Authentic Relating, which is a really beautiful practice, if you're not aware of it, that can truly add so much richness, aliveness, and transform your relationships. And I really believe that. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. You can reach me at further.coach, F-U-R-T-H-U-R.coach, further underscore coaching on Instagram, further coaching on TikTok. I always do this free 30-minute discovery call for those who are interested I coach fathers. I would love to hear from you. I hope you are safe and well, and I hope you enjoy this. Okay, so I am here with Jason Diggs. Jason is the author of an excellent new book called Conflict Equals Energy, The Transformative Practice of Authentic Relating. He's a modern Renaissance man, equal parts artist, philosopher, teacher, and media producer. From 2003 to 2012, he worked for the Integral Institute and created thousands of hours of media for topics like transpersonal psychology, spirituality, productivity, and personal growth. He's obsessed with how humans can live and relate optimally. He's facilitated groups and taught authentic relating and circling since 2012. And in 2017, he co-founded Authentic Relating Training International and has since led courses in 20 cities around the world. I was very excited for this. Thank you very much for talking to me. Yeah, thank you, David. It's good to be here. I am reading your book, which we will get to. I think it's excellent, of course. But let's start with how you landed on writing this book, your journey. I mean, as you say, you're a Renaissance man. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, in my younger years, I was always... uh, um, an artist, you know, music was my first love and, you know, rock climbing was my second love and I loved the outdoors. And, and in college I encountered uh, meditation and different, you know, Eastern spiritualities. You know, I read Tao Te Ching and Autobiography of Yogi and that's when my uh, world turned inside out, so to speak, because I was raised born again Christian, right? And my uncle was a pastor and my, my family was very traditional and I, immediately starting at age 19 started this quest of like how could all of this be true how could all of this integrate how how do we make sense of this um journey of being a human and uh you know about five or six years later as i found myself in boulder colorado i actually went out there to um, rock climb and, and you know be be in the outdoor scene and and uh encountered the work of ken wilber and he's like the world's foremost uh, transpersonal psychologist, uh, famous philosopher, he's written 30 books. And I ended up working for him as a video producer. And so I would, you know, be filming all of these different spiritual teachers, you know, I got to uh, pin a microphone on Deepak Chopra and like, uh-huh. you know, all these semi famous people and got to be mentored by them and, and go to all of these different uh, courses. 
And I was the person behind the sound table uh, setting up microphones for the spiritual teachers and, and leadership experts and psychologists and uh, or filming them and, and bringing that material back into the computer and going over it again and again and editing yeah. lots of content for all of these teachers. And eventually I was like, okay, well, this is fun and I want to do this too. I want to create experiences for people. I want to teach. And so when I found Authentic Relating and Circling, um, it's a perfect blend. It, it fits me perfectly because there's no dogma. There's nothing you have to believe. It's kind of like a secular spiritual practice, if that makes any sense. I know that's like a, um, a paradox a little bit. It's, it's like we can uh, be in the present moment together. We can feel the richness of life. We can be learning about my heart and your heart and, and how we tick as human beings, um, but we don't need to actually believe any of the same beliefs. In fact, it's actually much more of an open-ended exploration based on curiosity. Yeah, I have heard it said and know it as like a relational meditation mm -hmm. is the best way. Like when someone asks me, what is it? So for people who don't know or have never heard of authentic mm -hmm. relating or the authentic relating movement or circling, and even as I say, relational meditation, like how would we describe that to someone who doesn't know yeah. what we're talking about? Yeah, sure. Well, that's one of the reasons I wrote the book because, you know, authentic relating and circling have been around for 15 years. Uh, it started in the Bay Area and then, you know, spread to Boulder, Colorado and just went all over the world. And it's a present moment based practice. What does that mean? It just means that normal day to day activity is based on our brain extrapolating from the past rapidly pattern matching that to what's happening in the present and like predicting a possible future and creating expectations and assumptions and, right. and being able to match those against our goals and blah, blah, blah. Like the brain is a very amazing organ. It does a lot. And a lot of it happens underneath our conscious awareness. So circling and authentic relating is kind of like, let's slow down, let's get into the present moment and let's find out what there's is to learn right here, right now. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, it's, it ended up in this kind of like niche thing where, um, you know, you can call it the human connection movement. People who were connection junkies used to really gravitate towards this practice. Yeah. And in recent years, you know, we've tried to make it much more practical. We've tried to, um, you know, make the exercises more clear, have the, the practices. And that's why I wrote the book in the way that I did because there's actually 30 tools in the book mm -hmm. that can be applied directly to life, you know, in our everyday lives and our relationships. Yeah, I would, I think I heard someone say in an interview about circling, circling itself, it's like um, Karate Kid, where Mr. Miyagi is teaching Daniel wax on, wax mm -hmm. off, but then when we apply those things to our daily lives, what is so powerful. Um, so, all right, let's get a little more specific. So let's talk about conflict equals energy. It's so rich. There's, I mean, we could have a podcast probably on each one of the tools. Like if someone's interested in learning how to, um, cultivate these skills, connection, authentic relating in the workplace, home with their partner, like where, where would we start? Yeah. Well, the book is very much translated. You know, I took out mm -hmm. all of the jargon and the kind of special terms that some people will use. Um, and 
for example, um, one of the tools in the book is called noticing the gifts of others, right? So mm -hmm. it's a particular way we can listen to our communities, our families, our coworkers to notice what they are uniquely bringing yeah. and contributing to the community, right? And their skills are different than your skills, right? And so if we begin to notice what other people are bringing and then acknowledge it and say it out loud, it actually creates this um, web of, of safety and uh, psychological yeah. safety and, and um, you know, just healthy, beneficial, uh, like people wanna bring more to that community, whether it's the workplace or, you know, uh, a particular group or whatever. And so this is just an example. The name of the tool in the book is noticing the gifts of others, right? It's just mm -hmm. very plain language. And so I, the book has 12 chapters and 30 tools. And so I've just translated so much of it to make it very uh, accessible. So once you notice, let's say I'm noticing my wife is so patient with my children, I would imagine then there's like the next step of showing that appreciation somehow. Is that part of the, the tool? Yeah. The more specific we can be when we appreciate someone, like the qualities that I'm seeing in you, um, you know, and then the impact of those qualities on me, what that makes possible for me, you know, like your incredible patience makes possible for me to like um, be that way with our kids as well, right? And, and, and that's something I learned from you around, right? So we have this polarity in authentic relating that we call dignity and humility, mm -hmm. right? And the more uh, humility we can bring, the more others feel lifted up and listened to. And the more dignity we can bring, the more we feel like we're being our authentic self. And I would think in order to notice, we have to have a word that is used all the time now, presence. <laughs> and you, I love this quote, I, I told you, I, I was talking to somebody, used it today. You said the funny, in the, in the book, the funny thing about presence is that the best way to develop it is to repeatedly notice when we are not present. So thank you for that. And why is presence so important to our connection, our communication? Presence allows embodied, energetic, emotional connection with others, right? Uh, you know, if we were playing a sport together, if we were playing basketball um, and you were my <laughs> opponent or my teammate, it didn't matter, being energetically connected to you allows me to like quickly track your movements and us to yeah. work together as a team, right? But when we're energetically, in other words, our physical bodies are connected and moving together, like the way that a partner dance would happen, right? That particular skill, when we're um, emotionally connected to one another, then all of a sudden, all of the content that we're talking about that's going through our brains um, is more integrated. It's like our heart, head, and gut are all online. Yeah. That's another way I like to think of presence is, is like we have all three online. And what that signals to other people is that they're important. They're important, right? especially if we're trying. Yeah, I'm thinking about like a jazz band together, like jamming. If, if they're not listening to each other or present or out of tune, like it doesn't work. Like it feels almost like a relational improv all right, so we have... Well, can I, uh, can I say one yeah, go ahead. on that question? Yeah. So 
the reason presence is important for our relationships now is because we have smartphones. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much everyone over the age of 11 has a smartphone. And we've been in this experiment for, you know, the last 12 or 14 years, depending on how you count it, about what those smartphones do to our brains, what yeah. they do to our nervous systems. And I know in recent weeks, like I've had some um, anxieties and stresses um, at work. I'm an entrepreneur. And, you know, my girlfriend has been repeatedly encouraging me to be more present with her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, she's doing it in such a kind, open, generous way that it makes me want to be more present with her and less tied into my phone. Like, you know the way that we track our phones and like our, our, our attention, like all of a sudden we'll go to our phone over there sitting on the table, Yeah. right? That kind of multitasking actually uh, fragments our presence. Tell me so, what she said to be so gentle. Let's <laughs> learn from your girlfriend. What did she say? Uh, let me think about this. So um, she'll say, um, should I wait until you're done? She'll notice that oh. I'm looking at my phone. <laughs> and and so she'll say, yeah, should I wait until you're done? Um, and, and it's just, you know, it's, it's is... strategies. It's like, I'm, I'm going to send one text and then, I'm then I want to be present with you. Like uh -huh. saying that out loud before I send the text actually yeah. allows more connection. Like it's like a setting context, right? Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I do that with my kids a lot. It does work, right? I'm going to do this. It's going to take me about 30 minutes and then we'll go outside or something like that. Yeah. I'm just thinking I, I'm probably not as gentle <laughs> in, in the way I do it. Um, thinking about like sometimes spending time together is like sitting on the couch, turning on a show and then both of us staring at our phones, mm -hmm. which, which is um, sometimes, sometimes I like beg my kids, like, can you just watch a movie? or watch television, because that seems to be more present than even looking on the phone, because at least there's a story involved, and they're involved in a narrative, which is kind of sad from where we are right now. <laughs> that presence is watching a, a show or a movie instead of being instead of being on the phone. I mean, I have an 11-year-old, 9-year-old. My son has just got a, just got a phone, and he's, he's actually been really good with it. But yeah. I'm finding, like, my attention span is really not what it used to be. I mean, we're probably of a rare generation where we grew up with both, yep. with phones, without phones. And, and I'm just, it's hard for me to read a full article, like scroll into the next and scroll into the next and scroll into the next. So I agree with you. I think it's done things to our brains that we don't even know yet. Yeah. And I think what you're saying about, you know, watching a movie and being engrossed in the story, um, that is flow, you know, mm -hmm. that is actually... Uh, and people used to get that through books a lot more and reading stories. And now people get it through uh, Netflix and listening to audiobooks of stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think my point is, it's just a, a theory that I have, but I, I think it's important. And I, I definitely touch on this a few times in the book. We have to be deliberately practicing good relationships, deliberately practicing communication skills and deliberately practicing presence because of the influence of technology. 
And, and it's not taught in, in the schools or anywhere. I mean, unfortunately, I think what, what, what a difference the world would be yeah. if we had people like you in high school or middle school teaching these skills. Yeah, I think we will. Um, we'll have an emotional education class in middle school and high school and, you know, for uh, college freshmen. Um, I, I think it's, we're going to wake up to the fact that it's so necessary as society, as a society. And, and that's what authentic relating is. You know, it's, it's been this um, decentralized movement, yeah. loose movement taught by dozens of different t- people around the world. And the reason I wanted to write the book is because I wanted just to collect all of it in one place. Um, and so it really is like a full, very dense manual. I know you said you're almost all the way through it. So, Well, it's such a bargain for, you know, for, for a few dollars or 10, 10 or $15. I think you said, I'm going to just write everything I know about relationships. I was like, oh my God, that's a great bargain to <laughs> have everything in that one book. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me some more. What other um, skills uh, or tools shall we share? Because there are so many. Yeah, well, conflict equals energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thesis of the book is that we need education around emotions and we need education around um, how we get our needs met, how we communicate with others. And then we need in- education around how to handle conflict and tension because mm-hmm. so many of us are so bad at it. Yeah. That's just That's just normal. That's just right? It's like our, our brains get hijacked and our normal um, values of being kind to others and, and uh, you know, taking multiple perspectives is something that our brain can do. It's like, I take my perspective, then I take your perspective, and then I, then I integrate the two of them. Like our brains know how to do this when right. we're well-resourced. But in conflict, a lot of that can go out the window very, very quickly. Yeah, I think hijacked is the perfect word. It's like something, some other part, whatever it is, takes over, whether it's defensiveness or the need to be right. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do to help not get hijacked and, as you say, make conflict an energy, a connection, a gift? Yeah, How can we I do th- that? Yeah, I think it starts with knowing that on the other side of um, speaking the truth on the other side of uh, speaking our truth and, and being able to like be authentic and, and face a conflict or a tension head on. It can be a small thing. We, we generally want to start with small things like, Hey honey, when you did that, this is how I felt. And in the future, I would like it to go like this. Could yeah. we strategize and team up to get like, like, if you start with those small things, it actually will equip you to handle the, the medium or the big ones. Um, and then once we learn that um, we can end up with more connection and more clarity about who we are and more teamwork with the people around us through navigating these things, um, then we can start to take the risk more often, right? And if we can navigate conflict or tension in our relationships with skill, like 30 or 40% of the time, literally miracles happen. Like it's not, it's not actually very common. 30%. That's great. Yeah. Normally we just like, there's like a conflict or a tension and then we sweep it under the rug and then we keep going or, and eventually, you know, we're no longer friends anymore. We're just acquaintances or something like that. Yeah. For like 10 years. 
Yeah. Um, what comes up for me when you are describing that is what I learned from nonviolent communication and also from authentic relating is owning my experience, something that I'd never heard of, was very foreign to me, but once I learned was completely life-changing. Because yeah. I, I sort of come from a family and I love my family if they're listening. We're a bit of, we're a little reactive and we maybe lash out a little bit. And once I learned to own my experience, mm-hmm. you know, when you said that, here's how I felt. And, you know, here's what I'm needing and can, you know, I, I, I read some Marshall Rosenberg, I did some circling and I learned about this concept, which, which I think I'd love for you to elaborate on. It was like mind blowing. It, it was a little bit um, kind of unnatural at first. Like I felt like I was following a script and now it's a habit of, of talking that way. Like, cause it, cause it was like years and years of training myself of training to, to, to talk the other way, to own my experience was very foreign. So to talk about that. I love that concept. Yeah. Own your experience it came from nonviolent communication, which, you know, was um, spread kind of all over the world. I mean, mostly the U.S. and Europe uh, in the 70s. I mean, I was born in the 70s. So it's been around longer than me. Yeah. <laughs> and it is one of the cornerstones of uh, authentic relating. Um, so the way they talk about it in nonviolent communication is what you're saying. There's these language patterns and we learn to change our language so that what we're speaking is inarguable and we're not um, making assumptions about other people. We're not making claims about reality that other people could argue with or refute. We're actually speaking from our experience and it's irrefutable and it allows people to relate to us and orient to us because they know what's going on for us, right? Um, and I do believe it was absolutely cutting edge, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, we've, we've incorporated that concept and, uh, it's very, very important, Mm -hmm. but what we mean by authentic or or own your experience within authentic relating the current curriculum here Mm -hmm. in 2020 is a little bit more, um, all encompassing, right? Kind of like the, the phrase that I put in the book that, um, illuminates this is be the emotional maturity you want to see in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just changing our language pattern so that we're not attacking people. That's a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about being the solution. Like if we are consistently complaining about something, being the solution, like in our head, yeah. right? If we're complaining about the same thing over and over again in our head, even like three or four times, either we need to say something about it or do something about it, right? right. That's, that's emotional maturity. Um, and so it's about owning our experience, owning our energy, mm-hmm. owning our, our uh, impact on like checking, right. checking our impact on other people um, and, and really taking responsibility for those things. Yeah, and doing that, I would think, even if it's edgy or vulnerable or, or difficult, Mm-hmm. And but speaking that truth, but in a, in a dignified, hum, you know, respectful way, mm-hmm. um, which is another probably art in in, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll just talk a little bit uh, about the book. Um, mm-hmm. so Conflict equals energy yeah. is really the last um, the last two chapters. It's really the advanced practice of authentic relating. Uh-huh. But I spend ten chapters kind of wax on, wax off, sand on the floor, yeah. you know, paint the fence up and down, 
Um, and you know, the first two thirds of the book is really about communication techniques, uh, how to create connection, how to have more rich connections, um, how to really uh, deeply know ourselves and develop uh, a relationship with ourselves um, so that we can be ever evolving and learning beings. Um, and so, you know, like I said, there's, there's so many tools in the book. Uh, we could go into some of them now, but, you know, I, I just encourage people, like there's an ebook version that's only $9 mm -hmm. if, if you have a Kindle or just want to read it on your tablet or something like that. And um, the paperback is, is $19 on Amazon. So it's like, like you said, some books out there, like a popular book, you know, they'll take two or three ideas and they'll tell lots of stories and, and you know, expand on those ideas really yeah. well. This is a different type of book. It really is a manual for connection. And there's a whole resource section in the back with games and exercises and sentence stems. Uh, so it's quite dense, like you said. Give, give people who are listening a little taste of mm -hmm. the power. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like small talk, right? And we always hear that. Ugh. So let's say I'm... Let's say in the old days, or maybe in the future days, I'm actually at a social gathering, say it's a party or something, and I'm this is a very boring party. People are talking about the most boring things. Mm -hmm. How would I use my Jedi relating skills to ask, let's say, a question or connect with somebody to kind of open it up outside of you know the weather? Yeah, because I think that's a lot. One part, but there's. Part of authentic relating really, um, for me, adds adds that that layer of communication that is um, sort of uh, anti small talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole theme within authentic relating of mm -hmm. reclaiming our childlike curiosity. Yeah, because it's natural, it's innate, and when we're at our most resourced and the least stressed when we're when we're um you know we can get into play and if you look mm -hmm. at if you look at two dogs in a dog park right what happens they yeah. they each live in their own homes you know with, with however many you know 2.5 kids and then they get around another dog what's the first thing they do yeah they romp and they play and it's exercising their body and but play is innate in us as animals and if we're too stuck in our heads if we have too many uh, social filters like these are the questions i'm supposed to ask you know right. i'm supposed to wait until someone is finished talking before so so let's just let's just set that one aside that's a myth you do not have to wait for someone else to finish talking you don't <laughs> yeah we call because i'm a new podcaster and, and I'm always worried of like, did I cut him off? Did I cut that person off? You know? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll interrupt you more. Yeah, please. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. Um, whatever it is that keeps you engaged and keeps you alive. So this, is, this tool is called artful interruption. Mm -hmm. And so if we notice ourselves kind of tuning out or getting bored or like waiting for the person to finish so that we can excuse ourselves to get another drink or something like that. We can, in, we can instead um, 
invoke curiosity. Like it is a practice as something that we can invoke. And the more we practice it, the more we can um, really naturally go there and it's easier for us. But we can interrupt them with a question that's like, hey, you said something a minute ago about, yeah. you know, X, Y, and Z. Would you, would you talk more about that? Because that right. is something I'm interested in as well, right? Um, or we could ask someone, what do you, what do you mean by that? Or mm -hmm. why why is that important to you? Like you're telling why me, is that important? Yeah, yeah or, that's or, kind of a key question. Like we have a lot of them in authentic relating, but that one. Um, like the example I like to give uh, when I'm teaching workshops is like, imagine you're at a party and someone uh, recently got back from a trip and they're like talking about the difference between Delta airlines and United mm -hmm. they used to fly Delta. And now like they hate Delta and they, and it's like, and you're just like, Oh my gosh, what is, yeah. this, what is this person talking about? You might say like, why is that important to you? Like why? Right what's your connection to the airlines? And they might be like, oh, well, my dad is a pilot. They, he passed away a couple of years ago, but I remember blah, 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 you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden you're in a much more personal conversation. Like maybe they're just on autopilot. And when we interrupt them with a curious question, it actually serves both people. Yeah, you had a part in the book about what's underneath, you know, like what's driving you. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed that immensely. I had this image of like looking underneath the hood, like what's really happening for them? What's underneath all of this? I think that's a really powerful question. Where can we find it? Sure. Authenticrelating.co slash book. Mm -hmm. So my company, Art International, we have an online course um, that teaches all of these skills. Uh, mm -hmm. We also do in-person courses. Uh, I'll be teaching one in LA next month. Oh, cool. So you're doing in person now? Yeah, we just started again. I did a, a 14 person course in my living room last oh, week. Wow. It's the first one that I had taught in, in almost six and, months. And you're in Boulder. So who's, if, if you're anywhere near Boulder, you can, you can do it in person with you. Mm -hmm. Jason. Yeah, I'll be doing Very one nice. in LA and one in Boulder um, next month. And then we have uh, in-person courses in Europe as well. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, really all over, we have a course leader in Bali. So, um, and the book, yeah, it's right on the website, authenticrelating.co mm -hmm. slash book. So what's driving you? Hmm. Love this question. <laughs> what's driving you right now to, to write, to have written this, to do this work, to do these workshops? Yeah. There's really two things. Um, you know, I've shown up in the world as someone who's somewhat selfless, like working for community. I had five brothers growing up. Mm. I was a part of this church and the church was, you know, a family of 20 families. Uh, my uncle was the pastor. And so it was so ingrained mm -hmm. in that, like we're a tribe. We, it's like, it's all of us in it together. Wow. And so I've lived most of my life, you know, to be of service. Um, and I'm a community builder. So that's one thing that's driving me. But what I've realized recently is like, th what's in it for me is actually an important question to ask. Yeah. And if I'm really honest with you, there's a certain type of intellectual pleasure that comes for me. Like the quote that you came, came up with, or you read today about presence. Yeah. You know, that the, the, the funny thing about presence is 
the easiest way to develop it is to notice when we're not present mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. return, right? It's, it's like that moment we notice that we're not present is a moment of presence. Yeah, I mean, having studied um, under Ken Wilber or having worked for him, I kind of had this image of, you know, like the comedian who gets a job as a doorman at the improv and sees like <laughs> every comedian and becomes, you know, you, you work for Ken Wilber, who's got to be like one of the headiest people alive. And, I, you know, I know I've been in some circling stuff where, man, this gets really wonky. So I'm so glad that you wrote this kind of layman's manual, but I could see how intellectually stimulating it could get because it's this unlimited, um, as you said, it's kind of like a, what did you say about it? It's a non-dogmatic um, mm -hmm. religion. And I think it keeps changing and evolving and there's different schools and different ways to do it. And, and like, I think it's like jazz, inter interpersonal meditation or jazz, like there's no limit to that yeah. ever. So I, I get a lot of, um, I have a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why, that's what drives me. Uh, you know, I have fun with my colleagues that I have a strong intellectual connection with and we just like talk about things and we create yeah. programs together. And, and this book was definitely the hardest um, intellectual challenge of my life. And it was so fun and re rewarding and grueling and all the things. Yeah, man, you wrote a book. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's amazing. And, and um, I guess that's a good place to end. Any, anything else that we should throw out there that we missed that's important? I want, I want um, well, I you to Well, I want to ask me. you a question. Um, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, this dialogue with you. You reached out to me. We, don't, we yeah. didn't know each other before a week ago. Nope. Um, how, is, how is this dialogue going for you? It is very exciting because I knew for years about authentic relating. Mm -hmm. I knew about you because you were, you know, I guess one of the one of the pioneers, one of the characters. And I'm kind of looking at it from the outside. And it was a whim. I was actually literally reading your book. I told you, I was like, I love this book. Love it, love it. I was like, impulsively found you on Facebook, wrote you a message and said, hey, you want to come? And you're like, yeah, I was not expecting that. I was I was expecting either not a response, I don't know why, or eh, I don't think it's a good fit. And the fact that you said yes, I was like, it's so exciting. Yeah. Um, so it, for me, is a huge treat and I'm honored. And I really, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful book. I really hope people read it and buy it and mm. congratulate. And I love the title, Conflict Thank Equals you. Energy. How did you, real quick, how'd you come up with that? It's kind of an incredible title. I was on an airplane um, and I just had, I was going through a bunch of notes. I had a bunch of printed notes that I was going through, which was like an old, it was a leadership manual that I had written as an internal document for our advanced course. And I was like, maybe I could rewrite this into a book. And I was just mm -hmm. going through it and making all these notes. And the, the title of the book and the first line of the first chapter just came in like a mm -hmm. inspiration. So, yeah. I've been telling people, yeah, I'm interviewing Jason Diggs. You know, he wrote a book called Conflict Equals Energy. People are like, ooh, it's nice. It's got a little, yeah. It's got a little, wow. Tell me more. What, what is that? Mm -hmm. So, well, I know you've been making your rounds, and 
that's awesome. I'm really happy to be a part of that. And when it, it just, just came out, I mean, how long is this thing? Oh yeah. It came out last month, like five oh my months God. ago. So she's great. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much. This Thanks. Has been really yeah. Fun. No, I will put all of your information on the show notes. Um, it is kind of the perfect balance between like, it's not too, you know, authentic relating for dummies, but it, 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 it has a little punch to it that I can see how it, how it can be understandable, digestible. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it is suited for people who are very familiar with authentic relating yeah. because the, the last half of the book does get advanced, but I've translated everything into like really plain yeah. language. Like the first tool, the first tool is called, can we slow down? Yeah. <laughs> and it's literally down. something you can say out loud in conversations to help yeah. Real, uh, both people be more present or to navigate a tense moment or whatever. Yeah, and then just, and hopefully people not just read it, but also live it and practice it because we can read the book, it's great, but hopefully we can actually use the practices because they really, truly, people use this word a lot, but they're transformative for sure. Mm, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Me. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. See ya. Thank you. And there you have it. That was my conversation with Jason Diggs. I hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of that. Thank you very much, Jason. I really appreciated your time. Read the book. Get the book. I, again, I'll put all the information in the show notes. Authentic Relating is a beautiful practice that has really added a lot of richness to my life and my relationships. So if you've never heard of it, I think you would really enjoy it, especially if you're listening to a podcast like this, this is the practice for you. And it's important that more and more people know about this because I don't think enough people know about authentic relating. Again, hope everyone's doing okay, safe, well, happy, healthy. Reach out. And thanks again for listening. Please consider giving us a five-star review, a subscribe, share it with a friend or family member, and we'll see you next time.